Hi, my name is Dan, and in this world, I'm a lot of things. A father, a son, a brother, a talk radio host. But one thing that I'm definitely not is a Star Trek fan. However, my brother Joey... That's me. He is a Star Trek fan, but only the original series. Live long and prosper. He believes that if I sat down and watched the original series, that maybe, just maybe, I could become a fan too. There's such great writing. How could you not? So for the next 79 episodes of this podcast, that's what I'll be doing. Watching every episode of the original series and coming here to discuss it after each one. So join me each week as I go through all 79 original Star Trek episodes. This is Attempting Trek. And welcome to another edition of Attempting Trek. My name is Dan. I am the one attempting Trek. And with me, as always, is Joey, the actual Star Trek superfan, here to guide me through this week's episode. Joey, how are you doing, and how excited are you for this episode? We're talking Trek, Dan. Of course I'm excited. Oh, boy. All right. (laughs) I... Uh, we're off to a to a great start. Now, the goal, the goal here is that if I watch every episode of the original series, I will hopefully turn into a fan. We are quantifying this by putting a number on it. I will uh, I assign points to each episode that I watch with a goal, with a lofty goal of one hundred thousand points. And I so, thought it was a hundred. Uh, wait, you thought it was a hundred points? Yeah. No, no, I'm sorry. No, no, no I'm, you're only off by uh, nine by <laughs> ninety nine thousand nine hundred. It's oh. one hundred thousand points. Oh wow! Yeah, and how okay. many how many points do we have thus far after seven or eight episodes? One fifty. One fifty. That's that's not even. See, I 1%. thought we had reached the goal. I thought we had eclipsed it. Didn't we have a big party and everything? Oh, I was planning a party anyway. You know, I think these are just things that happen in your mind. It, it's all right. It's all right. One day you'll get the help you need. All right, so what is the episode that we are going over this week, Joey? Well, actually, before we go into that, I did uh, want to talk a little bit about where we are right now as uh, mm-hmm. as we are now uh, about to attack episode number eight. Um, and I'm just curious. Oh, okay, you know, sure. Last week, you know, we, we did um, – what did we what, do last what week? What little girls are made of. Yes, what are little girls made of? Right. Okay. Right. Right. Yes. And that one, you didn't, you didn't like it as much as some of the others. You only gave it five points. That's right. Five points. Lucky right. to have it. Yes. Right. 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 So I'm, it, I, I'm, I'm thankful though, as I said at the time, you've moved forward, which is what we want to see. Sure. Um, you know, but I'm still curious. You know, uh, what, where do you think you are in terms of your developing understanding of this show? Um, where am I as far as my understanding of the show? I mean, so far, because I'm, I'm trying to put this show only where it is that I've been watching it for the last several months. I'm not trying to, you know, anything else that I had prior to that. I'm trying to shut it out. Um, so far, it's a um, interesting but kind of goofy sci-fi show that's clearly from the 1960s. Uh, that's... That's where I'm at with this show. I, I'm, I'm not seeing the overall greatness of it. So every so often, I see something that I really like. Uh, I, I always see things that are really goofy, and that I love. 
and and um, but I, I'm not. I mean, obviously, I'm at 150 on my way to 100,000. So we're we're far off the the pace. That is true. That yeah. is true. Which, which episode would you say is your favorite so far? Uh, I maybe Charlie X was my favorite so far in in retrospect. I don't know what you know. It's funny because I'm sure if you went back and listened, maybe my reaction wasn't that great. I, I, I honestly don't remember. But I think I liked Charlie X. Uh, Actually, uh, I remember you liking that one a whole lot. Yeah, okay. So that makes – okay, good, good. Yeah, because when I think about it, like, th- that one had a lot of things that were, that were entertaining. You know, there was that awesome scene in the, in the, in the lunchroom. There's, you know, there's that. There's uh, Kirk working out without a shirt on. That's always exciting. Uh, there's that woman who was missing a face. That was great. And there's a lot of great stuff in Charlie X all around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You also enjoyed the naked time. Yep, that was the you know that was the other one that popped into my head. So those are the two that, that have stood out so far. One big difference between the two of those shows is that the naked time you really got to see all of the characters in all their colorful different uniforms, and in Charlie X, not so much. That was more that was more of a Kirk and Spock show. Um, mm-hmm. So I I am sort of aware uh, through our journey on this so far that you have stated that you really enjoy seeing all of the interaction between the characters yes. that are that you know so well. Yes, the more the more of the crew that I see, I think I like the episode more. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good because um that's going to be one of the positive things that uh we'll find in this episode um that we're going to be reviewing today. This one is just simply called Miri. M I R I and um, as you watch the uh, opening credits that show the name of the show, mm-hmm. it's actually italicized, and it's also in um, quotation marks, and I'm not sure why. I think it might be the only time that they ever did that sort of treatment for the title of any of the episodes. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mildly interesting. Um, I can tell you that this episode aired October 27th, 19. 66. Okay. Essentially, it was Halloween weekend, and oh. therefore, they were up against the Great Pumpkin that night. Oh, well, heck. That's yeah. good. That's the, that is tough competition, the Great it, Pumpkin show. I mean, that's got to be the, the first time that's ever aired. I would think so. Yeah. I would think so. Um, and so uh, they did pull in, you know, a 25.4, which was still good for second place. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, yeah, I <laughs> Those know, numbers right? are so – 25. You pull in a 25 and you're in second place. That's stellar. Good unbelievable. Lord. Yeah, unbelievable. Um yeah, nonetheless, uh, that's what the ratings were back then. So, again, as we continue to go through this journey and, and as I – you know, remind my or learn. You know, go through uh, some of the some of the evidence, uh, some of the things that have been documented through the years. Um, I continue to be surprised that the ratings are so strong because this show has gone down in history as you know it was a ratings bomb. Yes. During the first run, and we're not seeing that. It's either first or second. It seems like every week so far, and they haven't even hit their stride yet. So. Um, Anyway, I think that, that that's interesting to note. Remember that we're still in that um, in that that time period where they they greenlit the series, NBC did, and right. then they had to get a bunch of shows ready as fast as they can. 
So they had to cut some corners maybe. Um, you know, things are not going exactly the way they want them to just yet. Um, so this is one of that bunch of storylines that they just process, you know, as quickly as they can. Okay, and that's what this this one is falls into that category. And just like all of the others we've seen so far. So okay. it doesn't change anything. It's just something to bear in mind. That's all. All right. And whenever it is that you have some pertinent information to share as we break down the episode, you will chime in. And uh, how will you let me know that, that w- when you need to chime in? Well, if I can't get an, a word in edgewise, I'll just do this. Uh, how fitting. All right. Sounds good. Are, we're ready to roll. We're ready to start talking about this. Let's do it. All right. So we're starting off. It seems like this is where we always start off. We're on the bridge, and suddenly there is a problem out in space. This seems like a pretty simple way to start every episode off. Not a complaint, just an observation. And there is an SOS style. I'm sorry. Yeah, there is an an SOS style, an Earth-like SOS coming. Earth-style distressing. SOS. And from an Earth-like planet that's out there. And not only is it Earth-like, Joey, as it turns out, it's a planet that appears to be an exact duplicate of the planet Earth, even though we're light years away from Earth. I don't understand. Dun, 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 dun. Yes, this is <laughs> highly music, dramatic. Right? Yes. Earth. Not the Earth. Another Earth. Another Earth. And, and and now we're, we're looking at it, and, well, hell, that sure looks like North America to me. What is right. going on here? Right, right, right. It's funny how, you know, this show, you know, whenever they want to show something from, you know, that's supposed to be Earth-like, it's always from right around our time, our customs, right? Y- yes. We're not, we're not showing Australia, right? <laughs> we're not showing the Asian side, right? Yes. The Asian Peninsula or yes. Russia. <laughs> Yeah, it nope, just we're showing the Gulf of Mexico and New York City. <laughs> of, yeah, of course, that is where the SOS is coming from. It's coming from the North America on Earth too. What a what an odd odd choice of place. Also, I I would like to note that uh, on the bridge, no Sulu. That's right. What the hell? Right, well, remember that just goes back to what I said before. We're not there yet. Uh, right. They. Yeah. Uh, they Oh, I don't know exactly uh, which number this was produced in. Was that contract set up with uh, with Takei? There's also somebody else that's missing from the episode. Oh, Uhura is not in the episode. That's right. Yeah. That's right. There's another person there. And um, I don't know that actor, but I know I've seen him before. I've seen so. him before already as well. So, oh, okay, good. Yeah, I, I've seen him in, I, I think, at least twice before. Uh, okay. he, he definitely stands out. All right, so... Well, what are we going to do if when we get the uh, the distress signal from, you know, the United States in Earth 2, we're going to go beam on down there. That's exactly what we're going to do. Right. And okay, now I got to say this setup seems to me like the Star Trek that I kind of have in mind because we're we're going to send down Kirk, we're going to send down <laughs> Spock, and we're going to send down McCoy. Now, uh, Yeoman Rand also goes down, and we got a couple of red shirts to hang around as well. We'll see if if they make it. But like in my head, this is very much like a, an episode of Star Trek that I that I w- I would uh, Im- imagine. Okay, something's going on in some planet, Earth Two or whatever, and there goes Kirk, Spock, and McCoy to go check it out. Does that sound about right? 
that that is about right. Yeah. And you know, it it you know, at some point we're just gonna have to get over it. But to me, as I watch it now, you know, through these adult eyes doing what we're doing, it just makes me shake my head every time that it's nothing but the most essential people that they send every time. Yes. Kirk and Spock ought not be going down at the same time. One of them uh, needs to be right. on the ship. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. I think you can make a case that Spock would go because he's the science officer. Sure. Right. Right. And so he should be going and leading the landing party if we're doing this the correct way, probably. Yeah. Um, uh, can you also explain to me, uh, since we're talking about them sending essential people, uh, why Yeoman Rand is there? <laughs> she's there to, to make it look good. Uh, I, I don't know why she's there. I, I guess she's there to, in case Kirk needs to get a cup of coffee. I have no idea. I don't know. Well, it's going to become clear why she's there soon, and it's kind of silly. It's well, just for this one episode. Well, she is. She is. She does become essential to the plot. So sure. Right. 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 Well, one other thing uh, I wanted to see if you noticed. Um, did you notice any other familiarity about the set? About the the Star Trek set, the the bridge about where they stay. No, where they land. Oh, okay. On we haven't planet. gotten there. We haven't uh, we haven't gotten oh, there yet. Where we beam down, okay. I don't know. The, the set doesn't look uh, particularly familiar, but it does look like they beam down to the Paramount back lot. Is what it looks like to me. You know, it's supposed to be some rundown looking town, some a very American, not twentieth century town that looks crummy. You know, that, that looks like it's in uh, d- disarray or decay or, or ruin or whatever it is that you'd want to you know, phrase it. But you I, know I, yeah. that is no way to talk about Floyd's uh, Floyd's car service. Oh, is, is that the Mayberry lot? It is. <laughs> it's the set of the Andy Griffith show. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it totally looks like a set more than anything else. <laughs> it, does, it does. It totally looks like like oh okay, so they're in uh, they're in yeah. Planet Paramount Pictures. That's wonderful. That's great. And you know, it's funny. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, there's a number of cars that are floating around, you know, some some old looking cars, and they identify the time period as the nineteen sixties. But when I when I look at it, everything there looks from maybe the fifties at 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 the latest. You know, like what are they looking at that determines the sixties? Because the only thing that I could see that would date it is the cars. And the cars are not from the and the cars are not from the sixties. No, they look like they're from the forties. I they, can see, you know, exactly. Al Capone, you know, with his Tommy gun hanging they, out. Yes, they look like they're from the forties. But I'm, I'm just maybe it could be like fifty two, fifty three. But it definitely does not look like it's the sixties. Well, wait a minute. This is a this is the Andy Griffith uh, part of of Earth two here, uh, <laughs> and they're a little bit behind the times. So in nineteen sixty, they're yeah. just still getting around to the nineteen forty two models. All right, that's a that's a fair point, I suppose. Uh, did you have something else to add before I move on? You may move on. All right, I wasn't sure. All right, so let's see. Uh, we do have a, a big pile of junk, and in there is an old broken tricycle that Kirk picks up, and then McCoy looks it over. And McCoy has this look on his face. Not that this is, means anything, but he he sure does have – he plays with this broken tricycle for a second as though – like, ah, uh, yes, I remember when I had a tricycle, right? <laughs> Didn't you get that feeling? Thing- yeah, the whole thing was kind of weird. I mean, Kirk calls Spock to look at the tricycle. Like, yeah. 
I don't know what he's calling him over to look at the tricycle for. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's just an old tricycle. It doesn't it, right? It, it clearly doesn't. It's no more different than any any of the other junk that's lying around. Yeah, there's nothing uh, that seems to stand out yet. Yeah. For some reason, that catches Kirk's eye, and he has to get the science officer over to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's examine the tricycle. Yeah, so I'll tell you what. Yeah, you know, what could what could have happened though there is that maybe they were trying to say trying to show the difference once again between um, you know Spock creature of logic versus McCoy creature of emotion, right? Because Spock is like eh, whatever, and Bones is like whoa, look at that. <laughs> yeah, he sure is. He sure is, but really, Maybe that's what's going on there. The the important thing is that McCoy uh, looks at it, and while he's looking at it, some sort of uh, guy with a mutated purple face runs out of nowhere and attacks him. And after knocking uh, McCoy down, now he's got to deal with Kirk, who puts who puts a a pretty good beat down on him. Yes, he does. Kirk springs yeah. right into action, even though now they've brought a couple of red shirts down. I don't know where yeah. they are. Do they wander off or something? They're watching. Yeah. <laughs> Why aren't those the first two guys to jump in? Instead, Actually, it's Kirk. You know, and they're Spock. not even there. To be fair. Okay. Oh, did they walk off? I I guess. I mean, I'm looking at the scene right now, and I don't see them there. I see like the four essential members of the landing party. There. They went to go get a malted or something. They went. They to were get... walking around like making sure that the rest of the town is okay, and somehow they missed this. I see. I guess. Well, after this guy gets a Kirk beatdown, they determine mm-hmm. very quickly that he has a mind of a child. Yes. Yes. Uh, now, shortly thereafter, he dies. He has some sort of a seizure, and McCoy, after doing a quick examination says something along the lines is uh it's as though he aged a century in the past few minutes well before he says that i what i what i thought was interesting is instead of just saying his uh one you know one of his two or three basic lines that he says quite often which is he's dead jim Mm -hmm. this time he says it's dead (laughs) wait he doesn't even give him a, a, a he's Right. Uh, it's, it's just it. Uh. It's dead. Not it's dead, Jim. Just it's dead. Oh, man. <laughs> it's dead. <laughs> that poor and mutant. Then, yeah. Right. But then, yes, he says he does note the uh, the metabolic rate, uh, you know, h- how freakishly high or, or fast it, it's moving. So, yeah. yeah. All right. So and, for- uh, another thing I noticed um, is that even though it's supposed to be dead, it's actually still moving. <laughs> I don't know if you caught that. No, I did not. Know yeah, that. the actor is still moving. All right, that, that, that's 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 either a bad job by McCoy or that's a bad guy <laughs> by that actor. I don't know if it's bad doctoring or if it's bad acting. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a little premature. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. No, it's the metabolic rate. It's moving so fast, even in death. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what it is. He's just decomposing real fast. That's probably what it is. All Actually, right. that could be it. All right, so we we hear there's some sounds are being heard throughout the, the small town, and then everybody starts running. They all start running. Eventually, they run into a building, and they're kind of poking around. And what do we find inside a closet? Why, it's a girl. And when I say a girl, I mean it's it's a young girl. It's a girl who's probably about, I don't know, 12, 13? I don't know. How yeah, old is- I'm going to. Say twelve. Okay. Yeah. I'm. It's never clear just exactly how old she's supposed to be. Somewhere in that age. Somewhere in that right. preteen category. 
Okay. Kirk does seem to have a general sense of how old she is and how old she's about to become. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so much to discuss with this. All right. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And by the way, that's, uh, I, I do notice that that's, that's Kim Darby. And oh, you got that. Yeah. She's, well, I, I know her from True Grit. Hanging ah, around. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And someone, so there's, a, there's a better movie than, well, a more iconic movie than that, possibly. Wait, then I'm so, the, for, for Kim Darby? Yeah. Well, well for, for, for just in, in the world of movies. Well, well go ahead, lay it on me. If, better off dead. All right, so you're you're done. If you just you just did that, did you really just do that? <laughs> oh, she geez. is the mom oh, of John Cusack in Better Off Dead. See, I did not even remember that, but that's funny. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, good catch by you though. Yeah. 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 I don't know well, how you recognize her. To well, me, I think well, she looks very different. Well, she, well, see, because you know her from Better Off Dead, but in True Grit, <laughs> she's like, you know, two years older. She's a kid still. Right. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Like, I I had no idea she was the mom in Better Off Dead. I mm-hmm. would have never remember, remembered that from, by looking at her. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's see. So moving on. They start to interview her, start asking her, where is everybody? What's going on? This is where she starts explaining a little bit about what's, what's going on there. We find out that uh, that there's no grown-ups or grups, as she calls them. What are grups? You are? They were when all these get old. Grown-ups. All right. the grups have died, uh, but apparently there's still kids running around. Now, this is where Kirk, because she was terrified. She comes out of that closet. She's terrified of them. She's terrified of everything. And Kirk calms her down. And, you know, he, he does, I don't know, is it a little inadvertent that, uh, the, that the Kirk charm comes out? He calls her pretty. <laughs> like, it, it, it starts to get a little, it, it, I'll tell you what. It's the kind of thing where if this episode airs today, yeah. Twitter is on fire about it. What's your name? Mary. Mary. Pretty name. For a pretty young woman. Pretty? Very pretty. Yeah. Right? I, I, yeah. I mean, <laughs> not necessarily right here when he throws her, when he calls her pretty and gives her that smile and they have that close up of him smiling at her. But. Uh, a few scenes later, it, it gets a little, little worse. I think. <laughs> oh yeah, you know what? I, but okay. To be fair, yes. Here's what I think is the attempt, the attempt by the show, not by Dan attempting Trek, um, is that they are trying to show how Kirk is trying to just calm her down and gain her trust. Oh yes. And so, right. So, it, but it does definitely come across as. I don't know. Mildly that line a, a or little, just dancing yes, all over it. Yes. Like, all right. Like, like I say, I'm sure in 1966, everyone looked at it like this was fine. And no one thought twice about it. But in 2017, people would watch this and, and start writing letters to, uh, to NBC. I, I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, when I was watching this with my wife a couple of a week or so ago, I was. I asked him like, "Is that okay?" You know, we don't have kids, so I I often you know um, defer to anybody else who's been around kids more than me. 
um, and uh, and maybe who has even been a girl. <laughs> Young girl. <laughs> I guess that helps. Yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. And she didn't seem to feel that it was all that bad. I I I just kind of like shook my head, going, I don't know, I don't know. And I'll tell you, you know, in doing the research that I do to prepare for our podcast, I listened to some of the other ones, right? And they all have the same uh, they all had the same reaction that this is way too yeah. Uh, it's, way too close. It is way too close. It is. I mean, I know what I know exactly what they're going for. You yeah. know, he is supposed to be uh, very nice to her, and he's calming her down, and he's gaining her trust and her friendship, and she's interpreting it a little bit, well, actually, a lot further than he intends it to be. And I get it. And, and that's a fine line that you want to straddle there, and they're about six feet over that line. Is, yeah. Yeah. Certainly for today's audiences, but all right. You know, you know, it, it it kind of is a to to sort of defend Trek a little bit on it. They this is a constant theme, though. Even what we've seen to date, uh, right? He gains Charlie X's, you know, um, trust in, in much the same way. I mean, does it call him a a pretty girl? But you know, he he somehow he finds a way to charm people. You know, the the person or the thing. The alien, whatever it is, he try he he has a magical sense of how he can like reach out and make you feel like okay, I like this guy, I I I feel his warmth, his compassion, his strength. He's with me. I wanna I wanna I wanna trust him. So I think that that's what's happening here. It's just that it's a it's a twelve year old girl. Mm, yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So- okay. So meanwhile, outside, Spock and the red shirts are running around trying to check things out, and they come across some kids, and the kids, we don't see them, uh, but apparently Spock did. They start teasing him. You only hear them. Uh, they throw some rocks at him. He comes in and explains that they they ran away. They scurried away like animals. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So we don't exactly know what's going on on this. Seems a little easy. <laughs> yeah, it, it does. It, and if, in fact, the way it was portrayed, it almost made me think Spock was lying. Because I know, right? Yeah, like he made that up because we don't see those kids <laughs> at all. And I don't see him see those kids. But OK, eh, it's fine. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you can't really accuse Spock of lying. Right. Ex- only because yeah. he's only because it's Spock. Do we yes. do I believe him? Yeah. Like, yeah, all right, he must have seen them because he ain't telling any lies. Come on. <laughs> Especially about that. Right, exactly. There's no gain for him. Right. All right, so uh, we need to see some medical records. We need to find out what's going on here. And so Kirk goes ahead. This is where he's using more of his Kirk charm, getting getting those uh, those very warm smiles in. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, they exchange names. Her name is Miri. Oh yeah. Well, my name is my name is Jim. Oh, I like <laughs> your name. Uh, I like yours too, Miri. So, <laughs> <laughs> but we also learn that uh, Kirk has some weird purple discoloration on his hand. Miri oh, yeah. sees it and freaks out. Oh, she's like, "Okay, this is happening to you. I knew it was going to happen to you." And yeah. it's some sort of bacteria. It's the disease. It's whatever the mutant had that we saw, whatever it had at the beginning. Now, 
They all have it. You spread all over you and you'll yell. You'll try to hurt everybody and then you'll die. I knew it would. I knew it would. Well, except for Spock. Spock does not have any of that purple stuff going on around him. Okay. So, but they, but Spock says something else that's sort of important to know. Uh, he he does later say that he's carrying. He's a carrier. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, and he he, and uh, he he very nobly will not go back to the ship later on. We we find that out because well, he says carrier. he can't. Well, he get, well, you know, he could. He's just not going. Well, but that, but by that, by that logic, anybody could. Well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Shut up. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I apologize. <laughs> all right. So they're looking at the medical records and they have – all right. Uh, McCoy asked them to beam some things down because now we have to deal with this disease. We don't right. exactly know what it is or what it's going to do, although I think we have an idea of what it's going to do because we saw that guy in the beginning. <laughs> so. Yeah. Right. So we have a we – we do have an idea. It ain't a good idea. Yeah, it's not exactly. <laughs> yeah. So we, we got to go ahead and, and deal with this. Although we do have a nice moment here while we're looking at, at medical records and discussing things where McCoy feels the need to be a little spacist against uh, against Spock, points <laughs> out that, well, I guess the, I guess the disease isn't, isn't affecting Spock because it doesn't like the green blood. Why do you think the symptoms haven't appeared on Mr. Spock? I don't know. Probably the little bugs or whatever they are. I have no appetite for green blood. Mm. Being a red-blooded human obviously has its disadvantages. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Never missing an opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, Spock's the only one who's not actually going to die from the disease. So, you know, in your face, McCoy. I don't, I don't yeah, know. right. What are you bragging about? It would seem to be a good time to have green blood is the time when, uh, you know, whatever that is, space AIDS is going around. And, well, maybe, yeah, you know, that's a he's good immune. point. That's a good point because, you know, maybe he could say, you know what, maybe we should, like, uh, see if we can get a vaccine out of your blood. See? Did right? This... Like, yeah. you know, that, that could be, like, obviously, you know, it, it wouldn't cure them because they'd be carriers. But maybe that that's a, the beginning of finding the, the proper vaccine or something. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, it's the kind of thing that they would have done for sure on Get Smart. <laughs> well, you know, Get Smart didn't play around. Get Smart got right to it, and they tried to keep things as realistic as possible. So let's oh, not always, even go always. there. Right, right. All right. So we, we do find out that uh, puberty is the key to the disease, as as though puberty isn't the key to everything. Now we know <laughs> it's the key to, to this, whatever it is. And uh, apparently, not only is puberty a key to that disease kicking in, well, Miri also, she is close to becoming a woman. There may be other emotions at work in this case, Captain. She likes you, Jim. She's becoming a woman. Hmm. Oh, boy. I, lo I love this that kind of talk about it, too. Yeah, she's, I just well, she, she's becoming a woman. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now we also also here we get uh, they, they beam down some great equipment, and Spock has this fantastic machine to work on that I don't know what it's doing, but it's got like some dials on it and a bunch of buttons. It almost looks like a like an old jukebox or something. I don't know, like like the top of an old jukebox with just the buttons. All right. So 
we what we learn is that people are supposed to age one month for every one hundred years. That's right. Good lord. So if, you know what's funny about that is mm. that they keep talking about the number three hundred. I don't know why that was so important, but like when they first, when they when when Spock first was his first observation that you know turned into like a real speculative like educated guess yeah was that the tricycle i think was 300 years old right oh that's and now, true yeah right and now we get to this point and he says you know basically what you just kind of came up with right so they've aged uh a hundred years no they've aged one month each of the last hundred years yeah according to their life prolongation plan what they thought they were accomplishing person would age only one month for every 100 years of real time right yeah right and then he speculates that they've had this disease for 300 years yeah okay right? is that right I, I believe that's what it is i yeah. I, I guess all right they just fine. keep coming up with this 300 thing over and over again yeah all right so so everybody yeah. was fine and then all the adults contracted this disease and died and these kids started aging very slowly they started aging it took them 300 you would think after 300 years they would run out of food and stuff these kids that, that uh, I know I was waiting to get to that later but yeah, it's so true these are cuz these kids that we're about to meet kind of like the most useless kids I've ever seen I've seen them described you know in my research as feral <laughs> <laughs> that would that would that would be kind of close I would yeah. have to say yeah. yeah they are kind of feral also kind of annoying I oh, would say there's no question about it. Holy and cow! We'll we'll get to this later, but well, um, I do want to talk about that a little bit. We're going to be getting up to them pretty soon. Uh, let's yeah, see. That's true. All right, so we're up to the point where um, Kirk invites Mary out. Um, now this is where we end up. Actually, this is about where we're going to get to to the all of the other kids, isn't it? Now, Yoman Rand does not want Kirk to be running around. With, with Miri too much. She disapproves. But then Spock points out, hey, that woman's, uh, you know, she's over 300, so it's okay. She can go hang out with, with Kirk. And, again, 300. Yeah, again, 300. And, and also, it's like, hey, hey, listen, she's old enough. If she wants to date Captain Kirk, it's okay. It's a <laughs> weird sentiment. It's a weird exchange to me. That little girl is at least 300 years older than you are, young man. Think about it. All right. I don't know what to say about it. We we keep saying it. I, I keep know. hearing it. I, I know. Know. I know. I don't want to harp on it too much, but every time it comes up, what am I supposed to do? Right. All right. So then then we, we meet our, the kids. We meet, uh, you know, the Lord of the Flies kids that we have here. And holy cow, it's Michael J. Pollard is their ah, leader. Oh, you got it. Oh, I, as soon as I see that guy. Yeah. And he's got to be like about 30 in this I, role. No, no, no. He's quite young. Go ahead. Much younger than what you said. Go ahead. I believe, you... he's, I believe he's 27. <laughs> <laughs> and he's playing like 12, Michael J. Pollard. This is just a – all right, so this is 66. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Bonnie and Clyde is yep. 60, only a year later. Right. Yeah, so he's 27. And by the way, totally passing for a kid. You know, you're never not you believing so? it. Yeah, I think so. Maybe not 12. He probably looks like he's about maybe 17 or 18. Yeah, but... I'd give him, I could give him 16. Yeah. 
I could. But, you know, okay, so in Bonnie and Clyde, I have trouble. I've seen that movie so many times, and I could picture him in it. Mm-hmm. But I, how old do you think he looked in Bonnie and Clyde? Oh, he probably looked like he was maybe 20. That's it? Yeah, no, no older than that. I don't I don't think okay. he's supposed to be older than, than that. I mean, I haven't seen it in a while, but. He was like the, 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 the dumb uh, younger brother or dumb kid that they could take advantage of somehow, right? Well, he, they brought him along. You know, he was a part of the gang, of their gang. Yeah, but, the, the, but he was like really dumb, wasn't oh, he? Yes, was he, he? Yes, he was really dumb. And he, 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 they could manipulate him. Like, didn't he see when uh, when one guy was like swimming with the girl? Or something. Oh, jeez. Now I don't. I honestly don't recall. You're asking it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I, it doesn't I ain't got. All right. Star Trek. Star All right. Trek. Back to Star Trek. All right. So, Miri um, uh, and Kirk walk into where all of the kids are, and they all start running all over the place. Like you know, they all scatter like roaches when you turn on the light. Yeah. They're all running around, and here comes another mutated one. This one looks more like a kid than an adult. It's a it's a female, and it attacks Kirk, and yeah. and he gives her the phaser treatment because he ain't got time for this. No. And even though he did not set his phaser to kill, here we go. She's dead. We just talked about this last episode, right? The the different settings on the uh, yes on the phasers, right? And he can't believe it. Yeah, he is in shock. That, that that she died that easy. Dead. I don't understand it. My phaser wasn't set to kill. And uh, Miri's in shock about the whole thing as well, which is totally fine. Totally Her name was Louise. Oh, good job. Look at that. It gives her a little bit of personality. Mm. So, but now she's, now she's in shock because... The last time she saw her, she didn't look anything like that. Probably. Well, this is so, gonna this is going to help out, in in uh, convincing yeah, exactly. in convincing people that there's a problem here. So what I do like is that in the next scene, Kirk has given Mary a very good job of sharpening very a bunch important. of pencils. And very important. That's the Alexa job if I've ever seen one. <laughs> By the way, Alexa's my daughter that he's referring to. <laughs> Who's 18. Um, yeah, you know, she's like, she just finishes sharpening, like, I don't know, the fourth pencil. And he's like, yeah, go ahead. Why don't you sharpen a few more of those? <laughs> Are these good, Jim? <laughs> just the epitome of busy work. Good oh Lord. Yeah, good. Yeah, here's a whole box. Just sharpen all these. <laughs> I found a few more. <laughs> That's great. You know, and remember, this girl is 300 plus years old. Yes. You think she might be hip to the fact that this is busy work, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, well, no one's given her busy work at 300 years. She forgets. That's a good point. Yeah. That is a good point, yeah. All right, so Spock has learned that the, that the, the disease kills you uh, once you start hitting puberty, but adults who contract it, you're gonna die faster. And here's what we're gonna do: we're now gonna set a a, a clock on the rest oh, of the episode. Danny loves the clock. I love the clock. I love the clock. Yeah. We, the clock is five days. Okay. Everybody, get ready to die in five days, unless we could figure this out. This is pretty serious, by the way. Like you think about that idea. Of you go somewhere and you have a disease, you don't really know what the disease is, and you have to solve it. I I would die is what would happen if this happened to me. Yeah. 
I mean, the whole idea of we have to we have to solve a disease in five days or we're all going to die. That's pretty rough. There's some diseases out there that they haven't solved in, you know, decades. Okay, Still going but I would on. Su- but I would suggest this. I love where you're going. Yeah, and this is one of the things. This is one of the sort of the the building blocks or the principles of the show that I love so much is that these are supposed to be exceptional people. This isn't you and this isn't me. Well, yes, These, I understand right? that. No, no, that, that's well, that's part of what I like. I like it. And also yeah. they've got different technology that would speed this up. They've got different technology. They've, yeah. you know, they come from a, just a general learning sort of like base of life, right? What they've been taught, you know, in their elementary, you know, years, you know, is ridiculous compared to what you and I, you know, were taught, you know? So it, it, you know, it, it does make sense in, in a, in a sense it also is a there's also a reminder here that these are people that are exceptional even for their time right like it isn't not everybody's like them in that time it's yes. these particular people that this is true know, these this is a story about people in a certain time period in the future but these are exceptional people this is a you know J, you know kirk and spock and mccoy are exceptional people to the race of humans or humanoids in that in that time period that's why it's a story right yes and, and by the way, I'm sorry, I was wrong. It was it's seven days. I don't know where I got five from. It's I thought it was seven. seven. Yeah, it is. Sure. It's yeah. seven days. Computer indicates 170 hours, Mr. Spock. Verified, Captain. We have seven days. Okay, so while while the fellas are going over the paperwork <laughs> and uh, getting trying to get stuff done, they get distracted. The kids get get them to to leave the room for for just a moment. And the kids when, are scheming. Yeah, there's some scheming going on here. Because, yeah. well, I I don't think I, I put this out there, but when we first met Michael J. Pollard and his ragtag group of feral children is that they all uh, are against grups. There's a big grup hatred going on with these children. So that, that's that's kind of essential here. It's, it's good to know. So the kids distract uh, our heroes while Pollard sneaks in. Just wanted to mention yes. that while the grups are the adults, yes. the kids are – they call themselves the onlys. Oh, oh, nice work. Okay. Yes, yes. All right. The onlys. So, so uh, he sneaks in and steals their communicators. Right. Because I guess it's – hey, they're there. You know, they're Well, you know, on- that's probably what you want to do on a planet, strange planet. You know that there's these kids out there. You want to make sure that nobody is carrying their communicator with them. You would like. Wouldn't you think that they have their communicator in their? I don't know their space utility belt all the They're time very or heavy, something. Very heavy. I, I don't, don't understand, understand that. Yeah, I just don't get it. I mean, you, do you know how often I have to take my phone and just put it down just so I can rest? <sighs> uh, all right. So, yeah. so they, uh, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy run back in, and they realize, hey, our communicators have been stolen, and hey, that's a big problem. Because yep. we need to be in touch with the ship in order to get uh, information and uh, equipment and things like that. And all right. And not only have we lost our communicators, but we've lost them. We've, we're now going to move ahead to only three days left. Boom. We've been out. With, so we've been without them for a few days. And not only that, Joe, but we're all pissy with each other. Well, yeah. Well, wouldn't you be? Yeah, well, I'm sure I would be. You're down on that nasty planet. There's probably nothing <laughs> to eat, and there's definitely no place to take a shower. I don't know where anyone is sleeping. 
There's a there's, well, a, there's lots of they, things to consider. They did say um, that the food was running was running low. Ah. The food supply was running low. So they say that. I don't know what that means. What is the food supply? Because as you mentioned earlier, you know these people have been on their own for 300 years. They're kids. You know what? So the so the grups from 300 years ago created a food supply that was going to last 300 plus years. <laughs> You want to eat those fries? <laughs> I'm gonna guess not. No, I don't think so, man. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't yeah. get it. I don't know what you're eating. Three that's 300 years old. It's okay. Yeah, but but okay. All right. So with everyone oh. being short with each other, uh, yep. Yeoman Rand has a little bit of a freak out. Wait, and... wait, wait. I just want to say one thing here. Yes. Let's let's just go back to the freak out. Oh, okay, sure. I thought the freak out was really good. I thought the way you know the interaction with McCoy. Mm-hmm. Yelling to Kirk, like you want to take a crack at it, you yeah. know. Like I just thought that was all like that was just the way that the, these people communicate. It's not name calling. It, it doesn't degenerate into something. Uh, it's it just the the communication is so efficient, even when they're angry, and you know, even when they're tired, and even when they're dying. You've had a thing yet? Would you like to take a crack at it? Right, they're still like they're pissed and they're angry, but they're still saying things that kind of make sense. There's still a, you know? a certain amount of decorum that's going uh, on. I wouldn't say decorum, but it's just there's some logic to it. It's like, look, you know, you think you can do better than me? Go ahead, you know. Um, but instead, it's you want to take a crack at it. It's just more efficient somehow, and it's very, very real. And um, you kind of get to see where DeForest Kelly, who of course plays. Uh, McCoy here, you get to see what he was like, what his upbringing was like as an actor, where he was in all of these westerns, he was often the bad guy, this is it totally makes sense that he could pull that that scene off so convincingly it's just, I think it's really it, it's one of the more interesting parts of the episode, I think oh, Alright then, and and how did you feel about Yeoman Rand's freak out uh, uh, regarding her she's showing off the, dis, the you know her disease Okay, and, and and she gets a little emotional about it. Yeah, and she talks yeah, about hey, go. you know, you know, Captain Kirk, I I, I like I want I, I wanted you to notice my legs, but now they're disease ridden legs. So please look at them. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what do you, what do you think? I used to try to get you to look at my legs, Captain. Look at my legs. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I you've got the disease too, so maybe it doesn't matter. I don't know. It's interesting, also, that um, even in this moment where she's not supposed to be, you know, the hot, the hot, you know, muse or whatever she is supposed to be, she's still she's all diseased, and so she's definitely not healthy. And yet they still have that soft lens on her. Oh, she doesn't go anywhere without that soft lens. She probably had that soft lens at the supermarket. Uh, I think, the next but it, day. well, it's always like that, though. Yeah, I would it is. On this show. It's it crazy. absolutely is. It's oh, ridiculous. Okay, well, I don't think we we talked about it in the last one, but with yeah. what they had going on there for is it Nurse Chapel that? Uh, is oh in, yeah, is yeah, it? you're right. Yep, we didn't. Holy right. cow, we did not. Yeah. Yes, it, it's a little ridiculous. And, and and it's so. I wonder if it was less obvious with the kind of TVs. That they had back then, but wow, it's so obvious now because it's one, it's her, it's a close up on her face, and then a cut, an instant cut to a close up on his face. Yes, like the difference is just stark. Yes, it, you it, know, it looks like they filmed her through a, a, an aquarium. <laughs> right. <You know>? Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. All right. Go ahead. All right. So let's see now. So Kirk can uh, he comforts Rand because she's all upset about her disease and, and how it's you know affecting her appearance and you know and just in general I guess not having a good time. But while he's comforting her. Oh, I was just going to say, this is one of the few times that you actually get you actually get to see the back of the beehive. I know you're a big fan of the beehive. I love the beehive. It's it's stellar and it it's I don't know it's it's impressive. That's all. Uh, we get to see the back. Of the beehive. That's funny. well, it's not it's not beehivey all the way around. It's like a, it's, it's almost like a little strap of hair that like attaches itself through the beehive or something. That whole thing has got to be an attachment. That whole there's no way. Oh, it, it, Oh, no, no, no way. Uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that at the end. But, yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it's You know what? It, it almost looks like she's wearing a, a, a fez that's just got a lot of hair on it. That's what, <laughs> yeah. that's what that looks like to me. It's so yeah, I just appreciated the, seeing the how the hair went around the back of it is all because I, I don't know that you ever see that again with her. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. So Miri is watching Kirk Comfort Rand. And Uh-oh. instantly gets jealous. That's a problem. Yeah, she runs out. Meanwhile, McCoy has come up with something. He's on his way to a cure, and so we can all get our hopes up a little bit. Let's not get too excited about it, all right? Let's not get too excited, but maybe we're on to something here, okay? All right. So, Mary has run out and all upset, so where does she go? She goes back to uh, to the Onlys. And tells them, hey, you know what we need to do? We got to get rid of that yeoman Rand. That's the real problem that we have around here. It's a little hilarious. Also hilarious is her description as Kirk. She has a name for him. What's he? What Do you know her name for him? Oh. Oh, what is it? Uh, it's actually very fitting for him. Mr. Yeah. Lovey Dovey. Mr. Lovey Dovey. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right. <laughs> I love that. And so... Now the kids are, are they, they start chanting violence. You know, they're all, she's getting them all worked up as, as they come up with this plan to, uh, to kidnap Yeoman Rand. And all of the children are really annoying. Like, the more that they get, like, riled up and start chanting and stuff, it's like, oh, God. Man, where is child services when you need them? <laughs> that, well, they, yeah. they went away. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Yeah, I know. So anyway, now what is really funny is that we don't actually see the great Yeoman Rand heist take place. Oh, no, I know, I know. And so it's it is sort of a weird cut, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's just all right, we've we've skipped ahead and the kids, they've done it. They got her. Somehow they they separated her from everybody else and they were able to overpower her and tie her up and bring her back to their place. I'll tell you what, I'd like to think that that's a deleted scene, that they shot it, right? Like yeah. I would like to think, I don't know, I don't know the answer to that, but um, sadly I don't know. But it's such a, it's such a, uh, an interesting, cool step to show. Yes. Right. Not that it's a big step for the story. I mean, it's a it, you could you could argue either way, um, but I mean, how did these kids do it? They're kids. How did they trick her? Yeah. You know, just all of a sudden she's just gone, and and Kirk knows. Yeah, and I, it's just yeah. No, I yeah. mean, okay. none, none of these kids seems all that intelligent. I mean, come on, how is, tough. Yeah. All right. So meanwhile, Kirk is uh, upset about this, and he's like, "All right, look, I've got to find her." You know, he's shaking Mary. Tell me, where is she? And 
McCoy and Spock are telling Kirk, listen, we need to get those communicators because we need to test out the antidote that we've come up with. We've come up with yeah. one, but we don't know if it's going to work or not. So in order to test it, we need communicators. We need to, you know, get with the ship and see what we can do. Now, How about when she says, when he's shaking her and he, likes gets woozy a little bit, and she yeah. goes, don't you feel all right? <laughs> He's like, yeah. no, <laughs> I don't feel all right. What's wrong with you? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to die in 18 hours. Yes, <laughs> I, I've got this disease that we all have, that everyone on this planet gets. What is the matter with you? Don't you feel all right? No, I don't feel all right. None of us feel all right. <laughs> I don't feel, none of us feel all right. Yeah. Although, you, you know what is funny? Is that, yeah, he's about 18 hours from possible death. But he still only has that disease, like, on his hands. You know, it's, oh, it's... that's another great point. Like, if yeah. they're really supposed to be – if the metabolic rate is really moving that quickly, yeah. you would think that they should at some point start showing these dramatic signs of aging, right? Yes, they should. Yes, exactly. And then they should start – you know, the face should be at least a little purple. There should be a lot of blotches at this point. Yes. A lot, at, at, at a minimum. Like, I think that they're past the point probably of blotches and they should just start looking like really old people maybe. Yeah. But, you know, but, but basically they just have a couple more blotches. Like, you know, McCoy's got one in his, on, his, uh, on his cheek. You yes. know, it's like, oh, come on. I mean, that's just – yeah, I think that that's a poor job right there. They yeah. should have accelerated the aging process. Yeah, I, I think McCoy only has that one on his cheek – for, yeah. for for later on, I don't think. I think if if they if like that's there for a particular plot point, I don't think it's there. But because they thought, oh, we got to give you more. It's like, oh, we got to we got to put this on now for for later. Yeah. So yeah, uh, so, I'll tell you what. I really do like. Once again, I like the um, I like the the exchange. You know, between the three of them when Kirk is talking to them, and both Bones and Spock are trying to convince him how you know or make him aware how important it is that they have the communicators that they can that they can talk to the ship yes and then if Spock says maybe the line of the show do you remember it no what does he say without the computers it could be a beaker of death you know what I am so dumb because I actually have it written down I'm looking at I actually typed that line down a beaker of full of death yes this is the vaccine that's what the computers will tell us without them could be a beaker full of death. You're right. That right. is the line of the show. It's the line of the show, and you know, you, I wonder if there was any argument about who should say it, but it's delivered perfectly by Spock, <laughs> by by Leonard Nimoy, right? <laughs> yes. I mean, I could totally see with all of the egos, you know, that you know, I could see Shatner saying, "I should say it," <laughs> and Kelly saying, "No, I'm the doctor. I should say it." <laughs> well, you know, you can make a case for everyone to say it. That's uh, I. I I see that. Listen, if I don't get you those uh, those communicators, it'll be a beaker of death for all of us. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I like it. it you know. I, I like though that um, I also like as part of the exchange that um, Kirk is telling them, "Look, I'm trying. I'm trying really, really hard." And McCoy says, "That's just not good enough." You know, like I just I like that accountability. You know, like it doesn't matter. What your rank is, and I don't care how hard you're trying. I need results. I don't need effort. We're past the point of like, you know, patting you on the head because you did a good job today. Did you get it done? We need to get it done. Well, 
we are going to die if you don't get it done. So yeah, I, I, exactly. Yeah, I, I would probably be in. Well, I don't know if I would actually be as cool as, as that. I'd probably be like losing my mind. I'd be the I'd be the most useless. I would have already turned into one of those kids, just you know, <laughs> just with a bat swinging. A yeah, exactly. Or an army helmet. Yeah, no, probably the army helmet. No, no actually, no, wait, no, no, the football helmet. Yeah. yeah. That old timey football helmet that they have, the, like nineteen fifties uh, uh, football helmet that they're wearing. That's right. Ugh. All right. So Kirk tells Mary, "Listen, all you kids, they're all gonna start getting sick as soon as they start growing up. And guess what, Mary, you've got it too. And she's got a little blotch on her. It's happening to you right now. Look at, it. look at it, Mary. It's in you." No! 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 Because, you know... I'll tell you, I thought that was really interesting. Like, I wonder, was he sitting on that? Like, did he just notice it in that moment? Did How did he notice it before her? It's on her. I know. I have no idea. You would think... You would think she would have uh, been aware of it, or maybe she saw it and she's uh, just ignoring it, like she's in denial. I don't know. I don't know. You know... Um, unrelated, but I just thought of something else. Uh, where are those incredibly useful guards, by the way? Oh, that's right. And you know what's funny? They were referred to as guards. You're yeah. right. I don't right. know. They're gone. <laughs> they're gone, and they're not coming. Maybe they beamed up before the disease got them. Maybe they said, all right, listen, it's not on us yet, so we're getting out of here. I have <laughs> no idea. <laughs> I don't know. Right? Well, they're certainly not protecting Yeoman and Rand. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're not. You're right. Those freaking guards. Right, right, right. right. I just it just dawned on me right now for the first time. Where the hell are they? Yeah, they just disappear. They really did. You know, maybe there's a scene that that also got cut out of the two of them getting killed since they're red shirts. I don't think that's that happens. I was gonna actually bring it up because I know you're really big on the uh, on the lore, the legacy, the you know all that stuff. But and like you really you really love to harp on the the whole red shirt thing. But got some red shirts here, man. So far, so good. You know, I I don't know that I would brag about that, considering that the writers seem to have <laughs> forgotten that they existed. <laughs> I'm sure. If, if, yeah, I'm sure that if had the writers had thought about it a little more, they said, "Oh, that's right. Those guys are supposed to die somehow." They like, are keeping the rest of the town safe. <laughs> they probably would have gotten you know stoned to death by the children at some point. They're keeping the writers safe. <laughs> 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 All right, so Miri um, goes ahead. At, well, actually, no, I'm sorry. Before Kirk and Miri show up, I should point out that the kids are all just being as obnoxious as hell. They're playing teacher. Yeoman Rand is tied up in the room with them. And then Miri shows up. She has brought Kirk with him. And Kirk tries to get these kids to listen. Listen, I've got something to tell you. This is important. You have to listen to me. Kirk finds finds them and Rand without the guards. Yes, without the guards. Well, he's well. Miri shows them though. Miri shows them. So right, know. but but again without the guards. Yeah, no, no. The, the guards they were they were too busy to to help out right now. Right, right, right. So Kirk goes in there, tries to reason with these children, and you can't reason with these kids. And I I I, I, I start wondering, is he going to get into a fight with a bunch of kids? Because that would be kind of cool. Like, if he just started, like, throwing them around, that would elevate this episode so much if he did. Okay, well, <laughs> yes. okay, but let's, to that point, remember, 
they did talk. We kind of glossed over this earlier, but their plan was to go bonk, bonk on the head with a hammer. Yes, that was the plan. Okay, there's one kid in particular that really is, uh, is agitated. He's got the hammer. Yes, it's he's the, the most kid annoying kid. Yes. Yeah, right, right? Yes. So he's got this hammer, and he's, bound, you know, he's pounding it on the desk while, while he's playing teacher. And then, uh, you know, uh, Pollard says, no, that's not what a teacher would say. He says, oh, that's right, study, study, study. You know, he's like banging the, the, the hammer, right? Yes. Okay, so I, I'm going to point something out to you it, it, shortly. So, so, so go a little bit slow here. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So Kirk starts to to plead to them. Yeah. And, and then at some point, one of them does attack him with what looks like a bat or something. And Kirk just, I don't know, he handles it very well. He takes that kid, grabs the bat, throws it away, shoves the kid, and then kind of goes back to, to pleading to everybody. Okay. So, yeah. So if I'm remembering this correctly, yeah. it's the it's the same kid. It's the same kid that was playing teacher. It's the same kid that's saying bonk bonk, though the one that wants to kill. Oh, is that so right? He, I thought it was. Uh, a, I thought it was maybe a different, I'm wrong. Maybe I thought I'm, it was I'm a different one. I'm actually watching it right now as we're talking about it. Yeah. So he actually picks up a wrench. Oh, okay. It's a wrench that he that he's uh, goes after. Well, Kirk well with? no, he picks up a hammer first. Okay. And then later, when he goes to hit him, it turns into a wrench. Oh, wait yeah. a second. Wait a yeah. second. <laughs> so he had a wrench, and then it became a hammer. No, the other way around. It oh. was a hammer. It was always a hammer. Even before this scene, it was a hammer. All right. And oh. at some point, when he actually like lays the blow on him, that we actually can't see it really good, right? Yeah. But when he lays the blow. It becomes a wrench. A big wrench, but it's not a hammer. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, the kids are not listening to him. They gather around him, and then yeah. eventually they all start hitting him with something, with a wrench, yeah. with whatever. They have. Right? Whatever they have. They start hitting him. And I start thinking, oh, man, he might be done for. This is going to be a problem. But he just kind of walks away from them eventually. He just, like, shrugs them off. Yes! I don't, even, I don't even understand it. I don't either, because he cowers as though, okay, they're going to beat me to death now. This is this is the end for me. Yeah, yeah. And, I don't know, it goes on for a few seconds, and then he walks away from them. Just like, all right, that's enough. And then he walks over to Pollard, and, uh, you know, he pulls his, his sleeves down and shows his disease. And he says, listen, this is all going to happen to you. This is they are beating him yeah, but, with wrenches and hammers and bats, and he just, like, walks right through it. Yeah, like it's nothing. Well, I mean, he is bloodied up. He is staggering. He but does. still. Yeah. But he, he's. But all, still, like, he should be, like, you know, near death. <laughs> yes. He really should. He yeah. really should. He should have a, you know, some concussion. He should maybe have a concussion or something. Because it doesn't matter that they're kids, right? I mean, even, even as kids – some of those kids, even though they are kids, they're not like three years old. No, no, they are. You know, ten years old. Yes. Some of them are almost not. They they're not, but they're almost as tall as him, and tall enough to be able to swing a craftsman wrench. Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah, because it's, yeah, they all have a, an instrument in their hand to hit him with. That's the right, problem. If they didn't, right. If they didn't, if they were not just swinging these uh you know instruments of potential death then they were that and they were just kids okay fine you can you can push your way through them but they are just beating on him and he seems to like go down yes and next thing you know 
he comes through this scrum like it's a rugby match. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And, and he he does it, and then he lectures them. Hey, you know what? Yes. You're, you're no better than the grumps with the way you're behaving. So in your face, stupid kids. Look at the blood on my face. Now look at your hands. Blood on your hands. Now who's doing the hurting? Not the grups. It's you hurting, yelling, maybe killing. Just like the grups you remember and the creatures you're afraid of. You're acting like them. Okay, so now let me point out something to you. At the, So in this moment, I'm sure you remember this one particular moment when he rolls up the sleeves and he's showing his arms. Yes. And, right? Yep. Uh, so it turns out that my research has turned up that some of these, uh, I guess these shirts that they wear, they have all sorts of hidden zippers on them. Well, I'll tell you, he's his shirt is like partially open uh, uh, by his neck hole. And I it, saw and, that too. And it looks like it's zipped open is what it looks like. So that yeah. makes perfect sense. Right, right. So, But I didn't know that before. So they have, I don't know how many different zippers, if it's a lot or if it's just one or two, but I think that that's why he's able to just roll the sleeves up like that. I think I think I believe that those are zippers right there. Huh. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. So yeah, now he's got so he's got blood on parts of his face. He's holding up his arms. There's blue stuff all over the place. By the way, what did you think about the special effects of the uh, of the disease on the uh, on the skin? Well, it looks all right, I guess. I mean, else it, I thought it was pretty good. It looks it, it on. Uh, I think on McCoy, it looks pretty good because it's kind of raised. You know, it almost looks like it's a uh, like it's a scab, like it's a yeah. purple scab on his face. Like there, it looked pretty good. Okay, but not on Kirk. On Kirk, I mean, it's it's it, it, it still had an effect when he pulls his arms down. So yeah, I guess so. I mean, okay, it, it still kind of looks like um, sidewalk chalk a little bit. With, with, I'll with the give you colors. that. I'll tell you yeah. that you know you go through the history and they were very proud of how good it looked. And you know for 1966, I I don't think it could have ever looked better. All right, you ready to to start talking about McCoy and how he cannot wait anymore? <laughs> oh um, well. All right, I just want to say one thing before you skip over something. Okay, go ahead, do it. Um, I was going to save this to the end, but actually this is the right spot for it. So when he's giving his speech, yeah. To the kids, he's trying to convince them, and Miri says, "Look at my arm." He's telling the truth, right? And John is like looking around, whatever. So Kirk picks up a kid. Do you remember he's had he has a kid in his arm? Yeah, it's like a little girl he picks up. Yeah, it's like a little girl. Yeah, yeah. maybe it's like maybe it, it is a little girl. Maybe. Oh, I'm maybe. sorry. It, all right, I apologize for throwing the the word "like" in there completely unnecessarily. Yes, he yeah, picks up a uh, little girl. A, maybe it's even his little girl. Oh, is that right? It's his daughter? Elizabeth. Aw, that's adorable. Yep. No wonder. So he's got, he has three daughters, and uh, one of the cool things about this episode is that all of those kids are uh, kids of people from the cast and from other, from other actors around. Uh, I'm going to save the big one for later. Oh, but, okay. Um, I will – well, I'll save this two big ones for later. But like, so Gene Roddenberry has kids in there. Oh, no kidding. Okay. Yes. That's yes, cool. yes. 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 Yeoman Rand has kids in there. Two boys are in there. Oh, no kidding. All right. Very neat. There's there. So this girl, Elizabeth, the one that he's holding. Yeah. Actually did, wrote a blog about this episode and what it was like to be in the show and how, you know, he, she, so she smacks him while he's holding her and 
how confused she was. She, I, th- I think she's five years old, four or five years old at this point. That's about how old she looks. So here's dad telling her, okay, okay the director, everybody's telling, okay, now you got to smack him. And like she does it, but she keeps laughing. And he keeps telling her, no, it's not funny. You just have to do it and not laugh. So like that was a thing for her. Yeah. She also writes in the blog about what it was like to um, see her dad getting made up in the chair um, and what it was like to see the beehive being put on this oh, beehive. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, she thought that was all really, really cool. And she was confused about all of these things. You know, she was just, you know, a kid just taking it all in. Sure. Um, so, so Shatner has actually three daughters. And it appears, I've seen conflicting evidence of this back and forth, that the uh, that there's another daughter that's among these kids. I don't know that for a fact. I can't tell you which one she is. There's an older one. I believe this is the youngest one. So this is Lisbeth. So this is pretty cool. I, I, I've seen this episode before. I always remember somehow that he was holding this kid at the end of the show, towards the end of the show. Yes. And it's like, oh, wow. You know, it's kind of cool. All right. Okay. Yeah. So now we're going to get to our dramatic Dr. McCoy moment. Here we go. Where he decides... He can't wait anymore. He's he can't wait for these communicators anymore. Damn it! So it's time to go ahead and uh, just just go ahead and, and inject yourself with that serum. And let's see what happens. And he injects it, and he starts. Oh wait, wait. wait. I'm sorry. Wait. He he yeah. waits until Spock walks out the door. Well, yeah, that's true. He waits till he's alone. You're right. Right. He he does. He's he <laughs> he he know he. He knows enough to do that at least. All right, I better make sure that nobody's here before I do this nutty thing. By the way, also another thing. Do you know what that thing is called that he's going to inject himself with? No, what is it? I just learned that it's a hypo spray. Oh, it's the hypo spray. Is it? Wait, it's an actual. Is it a spray or it just sprays yeah. into your body? Yeah. Uh, well, I you guess. know, they they use it repeatedly. You know, as the show goes on, it's the thing that you you are familiar with. You know, you you put stuff in it and it just goes. Right, yeah. so like somehow it just goes through the first or second layers of skin to get straight into the bloodstream, and it's futuristic. And so instead of it being a hypodermic, it's a hypospray. Uh, well, of course, it makes perfect. That's kind of cool. That's yeah. kind of cool. Okay, so anyways, nonetheless, McCoy gets the idea after Spock walks away, which yeah. is interesting. But go ahead. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he had the idea the whole time. <laughs> I think maybe he was just waiting for Spock to leave, <laughs> and he goes ahead. He's, Puts, so sneaky. He puts, he puts that stuff into himself and then, uh, you know, he passes out, basically. You know, he kind yeah, of. Yeah, but like, then what does he yell? I don't know. What does he yell? Spock! Spock! <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, does he? <laughs> I've made a huge mistake! <laughs> oh, crap! <laughs> I need a transfusion. Get your green blood in here. I'll tell you what, when he falls, I yeah. don't know if you noticed this, but when he falls, he really does hit his face head onto that table. It's a pretty serious fall. Oh, yeah. He he does. It's as though he's turning into Mr. Hyde or something. You know, it's it's a <laughs> it's a serious thing that's happening to himself. Or uh, who's the nutty prof- buddy love? Oh, yeah. He's turning into buddy right. love. He's, right. right yes. he, he's going to get up and start hitting on Yeoman Rand. So oh, he um, he then. He falls down. Spock comes in. Now, just as Spock comes in, Kirk also is is coming in. 
while Spock is examining him, and he's and he's got all the kids with him. He's got the communicators. So hey, McCoy, if you had waited just about, I don't know <laughs> three minutes, you'd be fine. But as it turns out, it's gonna be okay because the disease seems to be disappearing from his face, as and eventually it's gone. And boy, oh boy, we're we're all gonna be okay. <laughs> It's funny because I'm looking at it and McCoy is still unconscious and I'm thinking maybe it's curing the disease, but it's still killing him. I mean, how do you know? He's unconscious. Hmm. Right? Well, I guess I think you're right. It's like it's hard to know because it's just getting rid of those surface abrasions that you're talking about. Yes. Like they're not getting if they were if they were aging the way we thought that they should have been, then they should it should reverse the aging process, right? Yeah. And they should start getting younger. That is that what mean. you're saying? Um, I'm saying that all we know is that those abrasions are leaving and we don't know what's uh, what else is going on inside his body. And, you know, he, he, he did fall down unconscious. You know, it's like um, if you have chemotherapy, it will kill the cancer, but it might oh, kill right. you at the same time. Oh, I get you, but okay, yeah. I, I understand what you're saying now. But I think the goal was always about uh, not just simply killing the virus, but but we you know reversing what you know the effects were to you. Sure. Which is what always happens on Star Trek. Isn't that what happened on Charlie X? Uh, yes, yes, it was. Right, you reverse everything. Yes, right? every, everything. Can you reverse it? We hit the re- the reset button. Yeah. Right. Basically. Right. Yeah. Right. All right. So everything's okay, and now we're gonna have our little epilogue on the bridge. Uh, we're going to leave Earth 2 behind. Uh, we do get a little bit of talk about how, I don't know, they're going to send some teachers and truant officers to that planet to, <laughs> to whip You're those kids. You're still going to leave the kids there. Yeah, yeah. They're still going to be, yeah, they're right. We're going to still leave the kids there in that shambles of a town, but don't worry. We're going to send people over there. Because, you know, Jim Neighbors is around, so he's going to come over and check on them. <laughs> and by the way, we're never going to explain how it is there's an exact duplicate of Earth floating out there. We're never going to wonder about how this is humanly possible. Why does this? Wh- wh- why is this out there? Is that, does that mean there's another Mars? Does that mean there's a duplicate of our solar system? Like, what does that mean? That's just not okay. – we're just going to leave that. Okay, well, I got to tell you, leave that you really hit. Bang. You really had a hit on a big thing. Okay, like this is something that I've seen a lot of people talking about, and okay. right, rightfully so. It appears so. Most of the uh, research that I that I see where people are uh, bringing that point up is what was the point of it? It seems like it was such a waste to go dun dun dun. There's another Earth, yeah, and it's an exact duplicate, and it's twenty four thousand miles, and then show like you know the map of you know North America, yes! that's identical, right? I, Danny, I'm totally with you. It makes no sense, and there has been some conjecture. I'm sure there's some real evidence or uh, you know some facts that would 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 explain this, but like it does appear that this is one of those things where it's in the early stages. They're just trying to get strips together. They had an idea, and they they went down this road, and then they had to go down a different road just to get something done. They probably it was it probably was supposed to be significant to the to whatever the episode was supposed to be about that it was an identical you know replica, and you know just to get the show done, maybe they who knows maybe they 
kind of like forged it with this is this one thing and this is the other thing and pushed them together and now they have this episode because they're just trying to feed the ma like they're just trying to like get it in there so i don't know but i think it does it, it is a, an awful weakness it's a, such a waste of what seemed to be like an interesting concept at the yeah. very beginning right yes. like yeah oh you guys are saying this is like significant are there not other planets that are similar or very very or basically identical to ours. Uh, and why yeah. is that significant? Yes, I, I, you know. And then on top of that, you know, the evolution of the society on there is that the same? Yeah, uh, we're we're not going to explore this planet a little more. We're only going to go to the Paramount backlot. <laughs> right, we're, right. We're, we're going nowhere else. Point. Right. I, I don't. Under, yeah, it, it it does not make any sense. Yeah. I love that you just said that part because I never thought about that to the depth of the way, the way you just said it. But it's true. Like I think in coming episodes, they're not just going to pinpoint on the one spot that they land on, you know, the one, you know, two block radius. And then that's the entire planet. You know, they're going to we're going to see more and more and more as we go. But that is like that is a that is a hole right here that is inescapable you know it's sort of unavoidable <laughs> to to notice right yeah it really is it really yeah. is and yeah and, and it, it's such a quick resolution and we're getting out of here and kirk has to for some reason drop the line about miri that you know well i never get involved with older <laughs> women miri she really loved you you know I never get involved with older women. Like that's 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 how we're ending our episode. What is that supposed to mean, by the way? You know that that, that's why he wouldn't date her is because she's an older woman. Well, who's an older woman? Mary is an older woman. She's three hundred. Okay, I thought he was talking about Yeoman Rand. No, he's talking about Mary. Because I still thought he was talking about her. I hear what you're saying. Yes, but Yeoman Rand is. In a sense, older than Miri. Um, no, I, I, I don't think so. Because uh, Rand starts bringing up, "Hey, you know, uh, Miri really loved you, right?" I, and and he says, "Yeah, well, you know, I never get involved with older women, right?" So I, I think that's you know that that that's all that means. But nonetheless, it's okay. still a odd clunky line. <laughs> and then, as always. At the end of the episode, we're just warp factor one. We're on our way to our next adventure, which I do always actually kind of like that at the end that way. And there you go. Why do you, why do you like that? Uh, I well, I always like the idea. All right, we, this is done, and now let's see what's coming next. You know, it's like onward. Let's let's you know they're they're moving on to the next adventure. This is done, and now what else are we going to do? What else are we going to get into? Okay. Yeah. Just to, I don't know. There's something about that that I like. Okay. All right. So uh, let me tell you. So this is the part where I get to tell you some things that I think are, are interesting to you yes. and also to me. Yes. Go ahead. What have you got on, on Miri? Okay. So, um, uh, well, okay. So you hit on Kim Darby, which I actually was surprised. I did not think you would get that. Well, no. There you go. That was pretty good. Yeah. Um, I thought that she was a little lesser uh, actress, but True Grit is a bigger movie than I guess I know. I've never seen it, so well, uh, I've heard of it. But there you go. I just know her from the Mom and Better Off Dead. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, 
I, I would not know her as an adult actress. I would only know her. I think I only know her from True Grit. I, I can't think of anything else that I know her in. But you know, I just she, told you the one movie you know her from. I'm just saying. I just told you my right. thought process before. Good lord. All right. Yeah. Uh, you know Michael Pollard. That was great. Oh, you, you, you can't. Once you see that guy, you know that guy. I guess so. I mean, for me, once I see him, I'm like, ah, oh, gosh, he's familiar. I can't place him. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, me. Yeah. That's me. Oh, there you no, go. But that's the difference between you and me. That is the difference between you and me, yes, because he's Bonnie and Clyde, but he's also in Tango and Cash. So, you know, oh, there's well, I, Yeah, I wouldn't know Tango and Cash. Nobody and should, I'm, but everyone seems right. to. <laughs> Right, right, exactly. All right, so the director of this movie, did you notice the name? Uh, no, I did not notice the name of this episode. Well, I wonder if you might know this, uh, might know the name. This this particular episode was directed by Vincent Macavity. I'm not sure if that's how you say it. Um, that name does not sound familiar. Well, his nephew was one of the kids. Okay. That kid goes on to be probably one of the very most successful producers in our lifetime. Is that right? And I okay, so I understand what I just said is pretty heavy. It's pretty heavy. Um, right, right, right. So I'm not saying he's the guy. I'm not. I'm definitely not saying that. But here are some of the here are some of the movies that. Uh, that he's done. Okay. Uh, well, go ahead. Well, let me start out with the big one that you're going to really feel a big you're, you're going to go, "Oh my gosh." Okay. Gonna, knock right. you down. Do it. All right. Yeah. What women what women want. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, it was a hit, so sure. Okay, this is this is what we're starting with though. All right. All right. Yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right. Okay. Okay. How about payback? Wow, so he's um He's really in the Mel Gibson business, so it, so actually, it would seem. that's exactly what he is. He's a Mel Gibson guy. So uh, if Mel Gibson, if okay. Mel Gibson had a project, he's the guy. So uh, he did. He he's done a lot of things. He's done Paparazzi, The Passion of the Christ. Okay. Uh, you were soldiers. Uh, mm-hmm. Braveheart. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sure. Is he now? The real question is: Is he still hanging around Mel Gibson these days? Um, well, you would know that better than me. I mean, I could tell you that he has something called the dating project that's supposed to come out this year. Mm, no, no. He did something in 2015 called man down. Oh, well, okay. That's actually sounds to there. Is that Mel Gibson? I don't know. Um, he did the blood and, Ro- and the rose in 2013 as we forgive in 2010 snowman, 2010 and America Carol. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that. Once, uh, once Mel Gibson's star kind of fell a little bit, that maybe <laughs> a little maybe bit. that was not good for him. <laughs> That's a nice. A little bit is a nice way of putting it. Okay. Yeah. Right. I'm trying to be nice. Yeah. So um, wait, is is the Beaver on on his list? The Beaver. Yeah, the Beaver. What does that mean? That's a movie. It's a Mel Gibson movie. Oh no, it's not. Okay. No. Um, so I'm okay. So I would guess that he starts. So Braveheart is when ninety five. Ninety five. Okay. Maybe that's when he starts. He does a well. Okay. So actually, when he starts, he starts <laughs> as an associate producer in ninety one in a movie that is widely lauded. 
oh for its uh, professionalism. Okay, go ahead. Hot shots. <laughs> hey, man, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> okay. No, I, it's a hit, right? Yeah, does well enough, right? Right, and he's, he's an AP. That's pretty good. Sure. But then he instantly goes from associate producer in 91 doing that movie to uh, 93, The Man Without a Face. And he's an EP. Oh well, see, this is this is where we're getting into Mel Gibson territory. Is that right? Okay. Yeah, and All right. and in fact, you know what? Gibson directs that movie, uh, so maybe that's where he gets in uh, his good graces and he starts maybe. keeping him around. Yeah. Okay. So then, in '93, he also produces Airborne. I don't know that movie. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he does Immortal Beloved. Well, oh, he's the EP. Okay, it's the uh, it's a Beethoven uh, bio- biopic with Gary Oldman. In '95, he's the EP of Braveheart. Okay, I mean to be the EP. I mean to me, that's a big deal, right? So he's constantly <laughs> the EP. So in '95, he does Braveheart. In '97, he does Anna Car- Karenina. Anna Karenina. Karenina. Okay. In '97, he's the EP. Then in uh, 97, he also does 187. He's a producer. Okay. In 99, he's the EP of Payback. In 2000, he's the EP of What Women Want. We Were Soldiers in twenty in 2002, producer. Mm. He's doing a lot of – doc- still doing a lot of, yeah, yeah, a lot of Mel Gibson work. Which Absolutely. You know, he's not, a Mel Gibson – absolutely, 100%, 100%. Not a bad Not a bad business to be in. Not at that time, yeah. right? Yeah. In 2004, Passion of the Christ, he's a producer, yeah. not EP, but still. That's definitely a good a good place to be. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, how does Passion of the Christ do that year in, in the awards? Oh, I don't know that it wins any awards. It, it win- but they're probably nominated all over the place, no? I don't. It's very I controversial, so. I know. Yeah. It, it did win all the money, though. Okay, well, that's kind of what's important. I yeah, <laughs> all right. It won like all the money that year. So. <laughs> it won the money. Yeah. <laughs> Why? So anyway, he just you know for a while there, um, yeah, he's Mel Gibson's guy over and over again. So I mean, but listen, to start out, I mean, humble beginnings, right? Ah, uh, yes, humble Here. beginnings in an episode of Star of the, Trek playing. Well, uh, as one of the dirty feral kids, uh, as one of the as <laughs> yes, as the feral kid swinging a a, a wrench at Shatner, sure. Those are humble beginnings, uh, indeed. So he's not swinging the wrench. He's just part of the... Part uh, of the yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Um, uh, he's here because I believe... Okay, well, yeah. So he is the... Like I said, he's the nephew of the director. Okay. What else you got? Um. So I said Kirk's kids are here. You, we've got Kim Darby. Yep. Uh, you've got Michael Pollard. Yep. Uh, we've got uh, kids by Grace Lee Whitney and Gene Roddenberry has daughters in this. Okay, sure. Leonard Nimoy. Okay. They wanted him to bring his kids in. Oh, oh, but you're going to tell me something different. He said no. He said no. Why did he say he no? Because this is Leonard Nimoy. He's like, no, uh, show business sucks, and I don't want my kids to be part of this thing. I don't want them to be part of this rat race. Oh my god! Look at him. What a killjoy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So they kept trying to convince him. Oh, come on, Leonard, it'll be fun. You know. So here's Shatner bringing his kids. You know. Here's you know Roddenberry bringing his kids, and you know Grace Lee doing it. Come on, it'll be a great. It'll be a blast. No, no, I don't want them. Why? I don't know. I just don't want. Don't worry about it. Because <laughs> why? Because don't worry about it. You know. Like so. That's him. Wow. Well, all right. Okay. But now here's the big one. Here's the 
<laughs> this is the one that got me all excited last night. I couldn't believe it because we were going to do this podcast last night. And I would have completely missed this. So there's one kid that's wearing a football helmet. Yep. I know. I know which one it is. Do not. Do you really? No, no, no. I just know which kid it is. I remember the kid in the football. I don't think you do. I don't think you uh, I'll tell you what. Maybe you're right. But when I went back and looked today, I was like, mm, there's a lot of kids wearing football helmets. Oh, okay. Well, maybe he's just like, like there's one that I remember because it's, it's like a gray helmet with a red stripe in the middle, I think. No, no, I don't think. No, it's definitely not. It's oh. definitely not. He's smaller. He's younger. Oh, okay. I know the one you're talking about. Yep. Oh, yeah. Okay. So this Different. is a, all, right, all right. Well, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> okay. So if I say this quote to you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to play the guessing game. All right. Go ahead. It's lewd, lascivious, salacious, outrageous. I don't. I don't know what that is. You don't know that quote? I, I probably do, but I can't. I. I don't know. What is that? Oh, okay. I'll give you another one. <laughs> okay. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Twenty years of practicing law. I've never experienced anything like this. I don't know. No, I don't know what you're doing. I have no idea. Oh, you're going to know this guy. You're going to love oh, I, this guy. I'm, okay. We've talked about this guy off the air enough times. Oh, okay. Um, do we have a chance? You get me one coffee drinker on that jury, you're going to walk out of there a rich man. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you're doing. I have no idea. I'll tell you what this is. This is a public humiliation. I, I don't know. Obviously, you're doing some lawyer movie. or uh, No, not a movie. Not a movie. You're doing a, a TV show. I don't know. Is, you're, not doing, you, you're doing Perry Mason? I don't know. What lawyer would it be? Oh, gosh. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> is it is it Corbin Burnson from L.A. Oh, I, wanted to, I really want you to get this. Okay. All right. Yeah. Rugged, the man's a goblin. He's only been exposed to smoke for four days. By the time this case gets to trial, he'll be nothing more than a shrunken head. <laughs> These are great <laughs> lies, but I don't know what they are. All right. If this one doesn't work, then I'll then I'll. Oh, God. Down. Hurry up. Good Lord. This is the most public yet of my many humiliations. <laughs> I don't know what this is. Jackie Childs. <laughs> oh, my God. Are you serious? Yes. yes. He's in this episode, Jackie Childs. Oh, holy cow. That is so funny. Isn't that great? That is great. Oh, my God, because his dad is on Mission Impossible, and I guess it's yes! filming on the – and which Leonard Nimoy would end up on that show. Another yes! Another loose connection. Yes! That's amazing. That's great. Yes! You're right. Yes! I should know those lines. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So last night we were for, for the fans that are listening still, if they care, um, we were going to do the show potentially last night. We didn't do it, and then that caused me to do a little bit more research. And I just stumbled across this. I don't know how. And then I went into one of those rabbit holes that, in this case, was fun and kept me up for many hours because <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Like, you know, the first thing I saw was just a tip, and it didn't seem right. And I just had to keep doing more and more digging, and I found that, no, it's true. So this guy was in this episode. It's his first ever appearance in a TV show, on camera, movie, whatever you want to call it. 
I think that's phenomenal. I think that's great. No, that's yes. totally great. That's yeah. there you go. That's your that's your winner right there. That's isn't your best it? Isn't bit. it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, as we continue to go through this journey, it's always interesting for me. I I always had an, a, an idea that there were a lot of um, guest, you know, notable guest stars. I was aware of some of them, but you know, going through it now and like just like digging, like wow, that guy's in or that girl's in or this person or uh, I mean. The guy that becomes, you know, the EP of Braveheart, you know, to the Passion of the Christ. That's <laughs> really, and he's one of the feral kids here. That's pretty freaking cool, you know. So, so that's good stuff. Um, all right, so that's all that I really have on the cast. All right. Um, one other thing that I have is that um, so uh, this show obviously was very successful in reruns over the years. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just in this country; it was a, a, a across the pond. And however, this particular episode was banned in the UK for many years. Oh, is is it because of uh, Shatner being a creeper? And All right, go ahead. What do you got? Because uh, they are far more sensitive to the ideas of uh, insanity, people going insane. Oh, I see. Yes, so and we really didn't touch on. Upon that aspect of the disease so much in you know in our conversation tonight, but you know this disease is supposed to you know age you and also turn you crazy, mm-hmm. right? And then you die, yes. um, right? And so this was one that was repeatedly uh, kept off of the catalog that huh. they would show. Huh. Yeah, no yeah, kidding. right. And there's like four or five of those um, throughout the Star Trek catalog that they refuse to show. For many years, like it did get, you know, you had to get into the '80s before they're like, okay, I guess we can do this now. Mm. All right, and uh, what else before we discuss our our actual opinions of this episode? Are you ready for this? Uh, um, I thought there was something else. Oh, um, for what it's worth, mm-hmm. uh, we don't need to go into any detail on this, but this is going to be Yeoman Rand's last significant appearance. Ah, uh, I knew that was coming. Yeah, I think we're going to see her again, but it's going to be like very like uh, almost like a cameo. I see. But okay. outside of that, and it is interesting that this is going to be her last one because it's definitely her most um, beefy one, right? Yeah, she's got a good part here. You know, she's got she things does. to do. She's really chatting it up. She's really part of the. She's really you know she's as you mentioned, um, she's in a, a sort of a key part to the plot, right? Well, yeah, they kidnap her. Well, not only that, but you were trying to allude to the fact that there's a push-pull between Kirk, her, and Miri. That's true. A right? little bit of a of a bizarro triangle. Yeah, a little bit. A little, little bit. bit. So there's some of that, right? Yeah. Right. So we're not going to see her um, utter another line again. We'll only have one other passing uh, moment of her uh, for, throughout the rest of the show. Aww. And, uh, yeah, that'll be sad. But uh, Star Trek will go on and on. Um, and uh, we talked about the Grups and the Onlys. We talked about – we did not talk about Foolies. Did you catch the word Foolies in I, this episode? I, you know, I did hear it's being said. I, did, I was not sure what they were referring to. Yeah, so when they said Foolies, uh, my interpretation of that was – um, oh, you're just trying to pull a game on somebody. You're just trying to, you know, you're just trying to pull the wool over somebody's eyes. Okay. So you're just yeah. Trying to do, trying to do a foolie. 
Okay, okay. So that's sort of how I thought. You know, that's yeah. I all right. So that's not like another like group of people then. No, 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 right. not at all. Okay, not at all. all right, good. No. Okay, so I think we're done with you know with what uh, my research has. So what do you got, Dan? All right, so let's see. This episode has multiple gaping problems with it. Like, there's problems all over the place with this episode. But you know, well, it, I gotta it, go. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we talked about it at, at length. Like, just just like gaping, wide open holes that are just there. There are scenes that are missing. There are things that. I don't know that that should be happening that aren't happening, but it is an oddly entertaining show either way. Like, like in spite of that, I still found it to be entertaining. Uh, it's it's not a a better episode, but it did feel more like what a a typical episode of Star Trek uh, is going to be to me. Since you know okay. we were going down to a planet, we're bringing our our core group of people with us to check things out. Um, so I I did kind of like that. And okay. even though, as as you were pointing out, like it's it does not make sense that it would be Kirk and Spock and McCoy. Like this is what these are the three that are going down all the time. But I'm I don't know. I think I've in my head it's just like yeah I'm 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 accepting that it's not necessarily the most logical thing, but it, it's fine because it's probably the most entertaining thing. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to think of where it is that I'm going to put this one. This one's not garnering a lot of points. We can just put that out there. Um, in fact, let me think. I mean, I definitely liked it a lot more than what little girls are made of. 10,000? Okay, got to go. <laughs> um, I'll throw – you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to – yeah. Yeah, you know what? All right, 50 points on this one. Fifty. Yeah, that's a lot. Wow, you like this way better than the last one. Oh, yeah, the last one I didn't like at all. Well, you can't say that. You gave it five points. I did give it five points for Lurch in a house dress. Like, I had reasons. <laughs> I had reasons. I don't remember what they are, but I did have them. Fifty points? Yeah, I'm giving fifty on this. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's huge. Yeah, yeah, that's huge. We're up to 200 now. We're, st- we're st- mind you. You're less than one. We still haven't reached one percent of the goal, so. Oh, I'm aware of the goal. All right. Okay. Trust me. Right. Trust me. So there you go. You're you're at fifty points here on Miri, which I don't know. There are some. I think some of the things that are not and that uh, like the 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 Kirk creepy aspect uh, of it. I don't know. I was amused. Like every time it happened, it it was cringeworthy, but amusing at the exact same time. And, you know, it's interesting because I, I also feel like it's – as much as it bothered me – Yeah. I mean I watched the episode three times. Yeah. And it just bothered me more and more. Every yes. instance bothered me. Yes. But I also feel like it's not fair to judge the show on that because that's a different time and people saw it a different way. Of course. And you and I would have seen it a different way back then. Oh, well, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. Listen, back then people would have been writing to the station and you would know about it when you looked it up. You would, you know, you would know that, you know, huffy people in certain areas of the country were like, no, 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 this cannot happen. Right. Inappropriate uh, things are happening on Star Trek. You know, yeah. that, that would yeah. be out there. But because, yeah, at the time, clearly it wasn't looked at like how we would look at it uh, here. I mean, how do you feel about this? Do you, do you like this one? Do you think it's a really good one? Because it's, it's, oh, boy. it's entertaining. Like, they, they, it's definitely entertaining, even though it, it's 
there's an annoyance factor there. Um, they're clearly on the on a, on a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of things that aren't good. I may have to rethink my points actually. No, no, fifty, you're in. Uh, all right, <laughs> all right, fine. I was about to cut it down, you know. Just, no, no, you can't. I was, gonna, I was you about to talk to myself. That's you know, you're fine. I'm going to keep it, but just so you know, as I, the more I was talking, the more I was like, yeah, you know, actually, this one. Shut up, really... then. <laughs> <laughs> fine, fine. Well, go ahead. Give me your unbiased thoughts, Joe. Because they're very unbiased. Of course they are. Right, right. Well, I'll tell you, this is definitely not one of my favorites. Okay. And if all of the shows were, if this was the high watermark, yeah. then we would not be doing this podcast. I don't think anybody would be doing the podcast. <laughs> this, this podcast. Really don't. Like, I think it's fine. Yeah. I think that there are some concepts, there are some parts about it that are interesting. Yeah. I mean, you can't escape. If you want to talk about the high points of the show, the you cannot you cannot escape the interchange you know, between Kirk, Spock, and Shatner. Yes. And they get those opportunities. Those are great. Yeah, they are. Star. They are. I agree. Uh, I, oh, wait. I, Kirk, Spock, and Shatner. Uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. Spock, yeah. Wait, is that what you said? Oh, man. And then I agreed to it. Yes. Right, right, right. Well done. But but obviously, you know, the point that I'm making, like yeah. that chemistry, the the three different directions that those actors come from, you know, they've all been brought up in three dramatically different ways, you know, to get to this point, to the stage in their careers at this time in 1966. And the interplay between them is just it's gripping. It is. And the writing, the dialogue is really, really great. It is. It is. Um, I think the concepts are sort of well, no, they're not sort of they are definitely interesting. You know, this uh, disease that, you know, ages you as soon as you, you know, reach the point of puberty. That's interesting. You know, where can you go sure. with that? Um, the idea of uh, another planet that is identical to the planet Earth, you know, in just about every way, you know, uh, physically, um, that's interesting. So there's a lot of, like, really cool stuff that goes into this. Um, you know, it falls apart because they don't. I, I feel like they don't have the time to to invest into making sure that all the holes are fixed. So like you just mm -hmm. said, the missing scene, yeah. you know, um, which I haven't seen anybody else talk about other than, than you and me. I, I don't know if they shot it. I'd like to think that they did because it's just too cool of a of a thing to shoot. It just would be too cool. Yeah. But maybe they didn't. I don't know. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they didn't have time. Maybe I, they I just. Know. Maybe they just realized. God, who wants to film with all these kids another day? God, get them up. There could. There could be some of that. Actually, the way the thing went down with the kids, from what I what I read, it was like, hey, you're over here. Bring your kids. You're over here. Bring your kids. Like it wasn't that hard to just bring the kids in general. Um, ah, I'm you sure. Know. I'm just messing. Yeah, I know, I know. Anyway, so um, I, I, there's a so there still are some cool elements to this. There's no question that you know Shatner, as soon as you know he walks into a, a camera, he just commands the scene. And if you're like, if you are in a room and you're going to get a cupcake, and out of the corner of your eye you see Shatner, you just turn and you stare at the screen. Like you, it's unavoidable. This guy commands uh, the TV like no one else other than Henry Winkler, right? Oh my God. <laughs> am I right? What am I right? I know, I know it's corny. I know it's corny. Uh, yeah. You know, well, but, but am I right? I mean, like he just does. He definitely commands your attention. That's for he, sure. Right. In, right. 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 In, like, in every scene, he does. Uh, anytime you see him, and he's right. just, you know, like like that Kirk charm that he's putting out there. That's a thing. 
That's legit. It is a thing. It is a thing. It's legit. All right. So I w- I would go with you. Now, right. our, I, I, I got a big question for you, and I don't know if you're going to have the answer to this. So I hope you're ready. Trying. All right. What's the next episode we're going to be looking at, Joe? Next episode features a guest star okay. that uh, in your life growing up as a young lad oh boy. is sort of inescapable. Okay. Um, and I'm not going to say the name right now. You'll know him when you see him. Okay. And so is called, or the episode is titled, Dagger of the Mind. Oh, my goodness. Dagger of the Mind. Holy cow. Isn't that a great title? Yeah, that's uh, that's good. That's almost that's almost as good as Beaker Full of Death. Almost. Almost. Nothing is beating right that. There. Right there. <laughs> All right, people. Well, thank you for checking out this episode of Attempting Trek. And before I get out of here, I would like to direct you all to our Facebook page, which is up there at facebook.com slash attempting trek. Go like the page and uh, interact with us there if you like. All right, people, we'll be back again next time. Um, Take us out of here, Joe. Fans, you've got the con. (laughs) 